This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. Good morning, you're listening to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. The World Islamic Economic Forum was set up in 2005 to build bridges through business between Muslim and non-Muslim communities throughout the world. The WIEF Forum returns in February next year for its 14th edition, hosted by the city of Abu Dhabi in the UAE. However, given the seven-year hiatus since the last conference, does this platform still have standing among international business circles? I'm joined today by Tansri Dr. Syed Hamid Alba, the chairman of the World Islamic Economic Economic Forum Foundation, which is headquartered in Kuala Lumpur. He's going to make a case for the relevance of the WIEF as an economic forum. And I'm also hoping to tap his storied expertise on Malaysian foreign policy. Tansri, good morning. Welcome to The Breakfast Grill. Morning, Susanna. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. So Now, you were the foreign minister, uh, foreign affairs minister in 2005, when the very first WIEF conference was held in Kuala Lumpur. Mm. Could we hearken back to that time? How much of a hand did you have in conceiving this forum? And what vacuum was Malaysia looking to fill with mm. this body? Okay, thank you very much. I think it's very interesting. Sometimes we look at things without looking at its historical context. And then you see that it's disjointed because you don't have that. If you remember in 2003, I think we took over the chairmanship of OIC. Mm. And OIC was established, I think, uh, in the first place as a body to champion the cause of Muslim as a result of first in the burning of the Al-Aqsa Mosque, you know, and then subsequently, how do we cooperate with each other so that we can champion the cause of the Muslim, whether as a, as a Muslim country or as minorities in non-Muslim countries. Mm. In that way, we hope we will provide a better understanding of the whole global view or world view of the Muslim. Mm. So when we took over, we, we thought that, we you know, this... Uh, OIC has been successful as a political talking forum. So how do we move from just merely a talking forum to something that we can create partnership, a meaningful working? You know? So uh, when we uh, hosted the OIC summit in Kuala Lumpur, that was the first time our PICC was completed, ready. And uh, then we came up with having a margin at the summit. That margin is the business forum. Mm. And we didn't have uh, foreign ministry. We didn't have the uh, mechanism to hold it. So we asked uh, Asli to organize it for us. So right. it was called OIC Business Forum. Uh, and the OIC Business Forum was very successful. Somehow or other, it, was, it took our people rather like, rather than discussing politics and other issues, let us focus on something that is non-theological, but at the same time can bring benefit mm. to uh, both sides, creating understanding, creating strategic partnership. So uh, then the idea, uh, Pala, uh, when we, you know, we decided that and Allah uh, we call Patla. You know. Of course. Fondly, we call Patla. Patla. Then we said, you know, we must establish something. So when the, we didn't realize at that stage that Ashley actually have registered the uh, OIC Business Forum 
as already as a proprietary punya tu so I we see. took over from uh, from asli we took over from asli then uh, in 2005 we think that it must go bigger rather than a business forum hmm. so they established a foundation in 2005 That ah. is fascinating history, mm. Tan Sri, and I think it gives the context of why the WEF Forum mm. came about. It was really meant as a practical avenue, something yes. that uh, could push economic activity, something mm. more tangible than mm. perhaps just the political shop talk, uh, talk that we've seen, right? I, I want to know, was the WIEF modeled in some part on the World Economic Forum, whose annual summit in Davos attracts the biggest and brightest in the government, business, and civil society? I mean, even the names are very mm. similar. Was the conception some Thing no, <laughs> Thank you. Very interesting that you asked that question. You see, I was fortunate when I was foreign minister. Patla was very supportive. He agrees with the thing, and then you know, I was thinking that we the resources are all in the Muslim countries, and yet we cannot do something like that. The WEF. World Economic Forum, mm. the sustainability of World Economic Forum because they are supported by all the big companies, the big you know, all the big names. Mm. Government support them, the businesses support them. You name any business sector, WEF is there. Mm. So, I think we didn't model it along that line because we don't have the resources. Mm. But it was inspiring. We aspire to provide a platform like what WEF provided platform we started with mm. until it become a phenomenon that it is, you know. Right. So I think with with that and with Patlas uh, support and his commitment, so we we say okay, let us do something in a very more modest scale, but bringing together at the same time. If you remember, it, you know, Islamophobia also was. You know, hmm. so it's a very, very opportune right. moment. The environment was correct. The ambience for us to start something hmm. that is different, discuss, hmm. and people tend to make a joke of OIC sometimes when it comes to political issues. OIC and all sorts of things. <laughs> Actually, it has done a lot of things that people do not see. It right. is not sometimes not tangible. It has created better cooperation, better understanding. It has created IDB with a triple A financial institution. It has created a lot of uh, interest in Muslim instruments, banking, finance, halal, you know, all kind of things. So uh, it germinates into. Uh, that's why I think I I wouldn't deny that WIF was WIF was the thing that make us. It was an inspiration. Yeah, inspiration to think about it. You know, why can't we duplicate something even in a smaller scale? So I think I can definitely see how the idea was maybe to build something that could rival the WEF moving forward. Mm, but mm. I think at this stage, the WIEF is nowhere near uh, mm. in stature to the WEF. I think name recognition also is very poor, even though it's been around for almost mm. 20 years now. So the central question I have is why would businesses choose to attend the WIEF when there are other forums such as the WEF that are better attended and have more clout? I think in the first place, everyone, after you have grown to a certain extend you would like to have your own branding mm. even though you may look at it as minuscule unimportant but why can't we allocate some of our resources to provide a platform for us to discuss and that platform is not exclusive to us 
because the world is not exclusive. The world, in order to survive and be sustainable, has to be inclusive. Mm. All the problems in this world today is because of our exclusiveness. This exclusivity is the worst enemy of mankind. You know, thinking we are special, thinking we are so. I think uh, I wouldn't say that he has acted by. It's failed. It's miserable. Mm. There is some identity. If you are, we have established a name, and our brand name is actually quite good. The only thing that I think that is different, uh, the, we didn't follow the model of WF. We do not establish endowment, mm. as well as the research center. We must collaborate with you know. So we continue to say that it is World Economic Forum, but it's all. I think it's more Malaysian focus, you know. I did notice so, that. And I, I find that we do not have strategic partner. The success of WEF, if you, if you look as you are aware, they always have strategic partner. They work together with this body, this, that organization, or even if you look at Concordia, mm. another think tank that is supported by, I think, US and UK, or the Chatham House type of thing. They have strategic partner. We didn't have strategic partner. We tend to be follow the Malaysian model. You know, we we organize certain things. We make uh, some money for mm. on the event, mm. and at the same time, we expect government grant to come in. Also. So I think there is a need for. Uh, you know, you need symbiotic relationship is not created by just, you know, doing what you are doing. Okay. You must look and think outside the box. And this uh, COVID killed us, actually. Seven years without income. The fact that we have survived, is, uh, I think it's a wonder. It is quite the wonder because seven years, uh, uh, the last conference mm. was held in 2017 in Kuching. Mm. And I think out of the all 13 uh, mm. conferences before, six of them were held in Malaysia. I guess pointing to mm. the fact of mm. how much Malaysia yeah, right. was really mm. pushing this agenda. But as you said, there's just there hasn't been enough movement in getting more partners, getting more mm. countries involved. I do want to touch on why there's been such a long hiatus. Why has there been no movement on the WIEF forum since 2017? Was this due in any part to the 2018 change in government from Barisa National to Pakatan Harapan that could have interrupted the running of the WIEF Foundation? You see, the WIEF, at the end of the day, you know, this is, I suppose, it's Malaysian mentality, you know. If you face problem, you go to the government. Mm. You know? You must have your own resilience, ability to face the world. In our case, because there was emergency, so we cannot move. But unfortunately, we didn't publicize the fact that even during the COVID, we were very active on the virtual. Mm. And this virtual actually has attracted. Uh, and because of that, we always get people who are willing to come and appear with us and moderate in our program. And the subject is so vast uh, and people love our virtual. So from space to SMEs, women empowerment, youth education, we have held over 30 over, uh, you know, virtual okay. programs. So it's a quite successful. So among the industry players, so to speak, they know us, mm. that we are capable of organizing, we are capable of getting good moderators, we are capable of getting good speakers, and people, but they, you know, this virtual program, unless you advertise it very well, it's only 100 people and sort of thing, and I think that part of it there is a failure on our part 
Okay. Promoted. So still very niche in terms yeah, of the attention correct. that WIEF mm, is getting, right? Mm. I'm speaking to Tan Sri Dr. Syed Hamid Alba, the chairman of the World Islamic Economic Forum Foundation. When we come back, we'll discuss what the priorities of the 14th WIEF are, as well as changes in the political landscape. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. Thanks for staying tuned to The Breakfast Grill. I'm Shazana Mokhtar and with me on the show today is Tansri Dr. Syed Hamid Alba, the chairman of the World Islamic Economic Forum Foundation. We've been discussing the genesis of the the WIEF and perhaps some of the gaps that need to be addressed moving forward to make Mm. WIEF more of a brand name. I would like to just touch a little bit on the issue of funding, Tansri. How is the WIEF Foundation and also the Permanent Secretariat Mm. being funded at the moment? Is this covered by government grants? Does the government contribute to operation costs? Is there a subscription model? How exactly are you getting the funds to run even the virtual programs that uh, you're doing at the moment? Mm, Okay, thank you very much. I think uh, these are all relevant questions for us to explain ourselves and our very existence. I think uh, to say that WIEF totally rely on the government is not quite correct Mm. because our source of income, our source of revenue has always been in our name and our ability to organize events. Mm. We're a platform. As a platform, we create strategic relationship and people like to join us. It provides an opportunity for them to connect as well as to establish networking. So far, we've been successful. For the last, you know, we have collected about, through, and you know, this is not from the government, we have collected about 60 million for the, some, 20 years. Uh, for, for, uh, for the period that we were established. So we, we, because of that, we were able to survive on our reserve. Mm. Uh, and from every now and then when we organize event, then we have the government coming in with some grant and that sort of thing. So the WIAF Foundation is registered as a company limited by guarantee. So Correct. I took the opportunity right. to look mm. up the recent financial mm. statements. There was a reported revenue of about 300,000 ringgit in 2022 and around 3.3 million ringgit in 2021. What exactly was the source of this income then? Our, the, uh, our source of income is, uh, I, think, I think, on two things. One is the membership in nothing. Because our membership, we never promote Mm. the membership aggressively. I think we have got a few members. But the most important is that uh, on business uh, sponsors. Okay. Uh, the business sponsors, whenever we organize anything, there is a business sponsor. So the business sponsor has been our mainstay. And, uh, and I think we also uh, then, when we organize event. There is a proprietary cost that the host has to pay to us. I see. Uh, that will cover our basic and also I think in order for us to come up with all the uh, infrastructure of holding it. You know? And uh, I think this is the two things. And as an additional, we ask government if they can come up with some uh, token. The rest all is actually private sector contribution or mm. GL- in our case, it's GLC. So I think what, where, if you consider that we have not done very well, is to promote ourselves as a global company. You cannot promote yourself as a global company, in my view, you know, in my humble view. I took over from a very well-known person. Uh, is that 
it cannot be totally Malaysian in terms of our board of trustees, in terms of our AP, in terms of our chairmanship. Mm. Chairmanship is always Malaysia. You know, there is no rotation and all sort of thing. We have got fantastic, like the one that we held in UK, say, for example, we had about 3,000 over attendants and it was successful. And we were able to show the world that we are a leader in the halal industry, we are a leader in wak- wakaf in some way, mm. but more so in banking and finance. And we have become a source of reference. I think we will consider ourselves to have played a part also in promoting all these things. But we must be more international. Okay. You're referring to the 2013 WIEF, which was held in London. Yes, The correct. first time it was held outside of a Muslim country, essentially. Mm-hmm. But there ha- those heights haven't really been achieved since. I think there's still a long way. If we took, if we turn to uh, next year's WIEF, uh, the 14th in Abu Dhabi. So you mentioned earlier that the host country will pay in to, mm-hmm. I suppose, have this conference, right? Mm-hmm. What exactly will be the attracting feature, I suppose, of the WIEF next year? What's going to attract people to, co- to go all the way there? I think the, the usually we have an intensive discussion. We will come up with our proposal. What is current in terms of geopolitics and geoeconomics? And how do we make ourselves relevant to discuss all these issues? Yeah. So that the, when you return, you return with new thinking, new uh, how to approach on the challenges ahead of us. So I think people like, in this one, uh, we say that global economic agenda. Yeah. Then to filling the detail we discuss with the host country. What subject they like to emphasize? Mm. What, you know, like this one is held in what is called MENA, Middle East, you know, punya area. And in the Middle East area, what, what are the, 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 the thing that is current at present? What is inundating their thinking? Like for say, for example, Abu Dhabi consider itself as one it's a very vibrant economy. Mm. It's a very rich state. It's part of the UAE. And it wants to play a bigger role. So it wants to showcase its position. So we, here we offer, okay, we offer our expertise in organizing events mm. and getting people to participate in the event okay. so that you become saleable and people start to think, oh, Abu Dhabi has got fantastic, you know, not only facilities, but they have got resources and they they can be a place for us to launch many things. So I suppose uh. it depends on the country being able to have the resources to use this platform to mm. uh, promote themselves, mm. right? And I, I guess I want to bring that back to the, just the state of the Muslim economies around the world. In 2022, the 57 members of the OIC made up a combined 8.7 trillion US dollars in GDP. That accounts for only about 9% of global GDP. It's a tiny fraction of the global economy. Why do you think the pathway to prosperity is so difficult for developing Muslim countries? What's holding us back? Oh, I think that is a very interesting question. We you see, have two resources, minutes to answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the problem with Muslim country, we have been endowed with fantastic resources, but we do not manage our resources. Mm. You cannot have the multiplier effect and the spin-off. So you look at ourselves, whatever we get, it is the raw material that we have. And we get the no no added value. 
And out of the 57 Muslim OIC countries, say for example, two thirds of it, according to UNDP, is in the least developed category. Mm. So I, I can quite understand that. So we must get out of that. Is it a question of governance then? Governance. There's so many issues. The governance, democracy, freedom, is our openness. The system that we adopt. We have to look at how we were very big when we were ruling India. Mm. The Muslim. The Indian economy was very big. Indian economy was big. You must look at how uh, the Osmania, during the Osmania, how the economy, because they encourage its openness. Do we hearken too much to those golden age days, no. though, Tansri? I think, uh, you know, you cannot look at a Netflix when you're serious by looking at today. If it is a series, you must look at a series from the beginning. Then you can see the context. You know, so there is one of the problems sometimes people discuss in the current geopolitical situation in the Middle East. Say, for example, in the in the case of Israel, they look at October seven. Mm. When it is not October seven, it's a continuous process. Things do not happen suddenly. We must not be nostalgic mm. about our previous successes. You must be building on to give you confidence. Mm. It give you confidence because your parents are very good. Your parents, so. But you cannot ignore history. History part and parcel of yourself. I think that's a very uh, that's quite a good way to put it, Tansri. We have about two minutes left on the clock, and I think I would just want to touch on the big issue that's really dominating the international conversation, and that is the crisis that's happening at the moment in Gaza. There's a lot of outrage about what's happening, but uh, I do wonder why the Muslim world has not been able to make any headway in actually resolving this decades-long issue of Palestinian sovereignty. What can Malaysia do to show leadership? Let me put it this way. It's not a Muslim issue. It's not a religious issue. It's an issue of ignoring international law. Mm. If under the international system there is a country that is not subject to international law, sub- not subject to international norms, then the country can do anything and they are not reprim- reprimanded or they are not punished, then they do everything that they want. In the first place, the creation of Israel itself was not legitimate because you, uh, UN has no right to create a state. It's not in the charter. UN, they created 181 and then the, so, so many unfulfilled things. Mm. And it's just the sins of the Europeans, sorry to say. They asked the Palestinians to pay for it. It's not an empty land. It's not rest nullius. It is land with people. So you have the first Nakba. All the big powers involved in displacing the Palestinians mm. for 76 years of Nakba, 16 years of occupation in Gaza, 1967 occupied territories. Now they say self-defense. How can it be self-defense when you are the occupier? Mm. <laughs> the so, person who is so... It's a, it's a lot of mismatch in terms of any. And I think there's a lot of distortion, misunderstanding. So I think we need to put the world right. The, it's not... Uh, the, the Muslim country cannot play the... Five permanent members, mm. and none of them are Muslim countries. You know, you have got U.S. power under Security Council. They can override the General Assembly. Tansri, thank you so much for speaking to me. There's never enough time you, to really delve you. into the issues, but I appreciate your time and insights thank today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I've been speaking to Tansri, Dr. Syed Hamid Alba, the chairman of the World Islamic Economic Forum Foundation. This has been The Breakfast Girl on BFM 89.9. 
The BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network.